Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for everything that you've already done. And as Will was saying a moment ago, Lord, everything you're about to do, uh, Lord, as your spirit delivers this word to our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, let's see. We want to do a song. <laughs> oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Who is He? He's Christ the Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. Christ for you alone. For you. Yeah. For you. For you alone are worthy. Christ. Amen. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. Amen. So we've been talking for almost three years now on the centrality of Jesus and bringing everything back to centering on Him. How many of you know He is the foundation that must be laid and uh, must be adhered to? And with that, we've been going through the teachings of Jesus and... Um, we're on the Holy Spirit right now. T- Jesus not only taught about the Holy Spirit, He actually delivered the person of the Holy Spirit to us. So this week, let's eat together or spend some time with Jesus in John 17, 20 through 23. That's our little assignment. And to ask this week, say again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Somebody's excited about John 17. Amen. What we've looked at so far in regard to getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit through the anointing, through the spirit of holiness, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of truth, the spirit of life in Christ, and the spirit of glory. Those are all New Testament terms for the person of the Holy Spirit. And all of those work together to mature us as sons. Everything that he's doing, every role he plays, every function he has is for an end game of mature sons. Jesus doesn't want to be known as the only son of God that was ever on the planet. 1 John 3 says that uh, what manner of love has the Father lavished on us that we would be called children of God. Jesus introduced a prayer where we can begin with our Father who art in heaven. Amen. So let's go to that passage, John 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, Jesus said, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. How many of you know community ought to be a calling card of the Christian church? I mean, the body of Christ should have this community, this oneness that we operate in, uh, with and for one another. And we do it that the world may believe 
that you, Father, sent Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 22. The prayer continues. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. So we've been talking about the role of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of glory. And one of the roles as He's leaving us the Holy Spirit, He's departing but leaving us the same Spirit that was in Him, one of the roles of the Spirit of glory is our oneness together. Now, uh, union with Christ and with, with each other, we have that in Christ. But oneness is our choice. We choose to walk in oneness with each other. And the Spirit of glory aids us in that. The glory which you gave me, Father, I give to the body of Christ that they may be one just as we are one. So it's not just, oh, I gave them the glory so they could shout, you know, for an hour or, or they could, you know, run around the room, do this, do that. No, oneness is a part of it. Verse 23, I and them. Where? In them. And you and me, that they may be made perfect in oneness, that the world may know that you've sent me and you love them. Look at that. You love the world just like you love me. Wow. So we have the glory of God for oneness. It can be catalytic in our growth and maturity towards unity in the body of Christ. Uh, it unites us because we're all headed towards maturity in Christ. Romans eight twenty nine says everybody in this room is predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. So the Spirit of glory takes us there and we operate in that oneness. So we have grace for each other. We have mercy for each other. Why? Because we're all in the spirit of glory in the process of becoming more and more like Christ. Amen? Anybody arrived yet? Okay. Jesus prays for uh, oneness here, as I mentioned, because we already have union as a born-again child of God. We are one with each other. But we, uh, we do need to practice our oneness and unity in the spirit. The Spirit of glory helps us not elevate what we believe about God over God Himself. Why is there so much fussing and fighting and division? And I guess there's about 40,000 registered denominations. Why in Christendom? Why is that? Because people elevate what they believe about God beyond God Himself. How many of you know that's a mistake? Because human beings, we're all looking through a glass, but dimly. So the unity we have is the unity of the Spirit, according to Ephesians 4, 3. How long do we have it? Until we come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, the measure of mature man, the fullness of the stature of of Christ Himself. And so we, we need to continue to participate in our oneness. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about today. The glory of God is effectual. Everybody say it's effectual. It's also transformational for human beings. So if you behold the glory of the Lord, if you're encountering Him in His manifest presence, because remember, metaphysically, God is everywhere. Manifestly, He's not. Manifestly is where two or more gather together. Uh, when we love one another, First John four twelve, God is revealed. How about God inhabits the praise of His people? When we worship and praise God, we begin to encounter, experience His glory. When you have a genuine experience with the glory of God, it's transformational. So you cannot not be changed in the legitimate presence of God. If you see Him, you will be changed. I was telling somebody the other day, what's, what's some of the after effects of an encounter with the Lord? How about humility? 
If you really know Jesus, like you have seen the Spirit of the Lord God, who's the King of kings and Lord of lords, you're humbled. You know in an instant there was nothing you were ever going to do to make yourself right with God. Now think about that. The only one that could have made you right with God is God. And he did. So we need to receive that, believe that, and participate with that in a spirit of humility. I love Luke 7 with the woman who uh, has the alabaster box and she, she cries on Jesus' feet and dry. She actually washes and dries his feet with her hair. Why? She has a revelation of who he is. She's humbled. When Jesus uh, performs the miracle in the boat with the fish, Peter says this to him. Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. In other words, I don't, I don't deserve you. See, that's a revelation that comes to the glory and the manifestness of God. But it's, again, it's by revelation. But you've got to see it. So our role is let's don't be distracted and let's spend most of our time beholding His glory. The world's job is to distract you. So when we look at His glory daily, it's effectual. You ever wonder, why are some people more mature than others? I mean, the Word works, right? It's the same seed. The soils are different. The receptivity is different. The priority of people's lives are different. Why do some people bear more fruit than other people in uh, their walk with Christ? Because some people spend more time looking and beholding the glory of the Lord. Well, I'm just super busy. You know, I've got to watch this cooking show and then there's football on and then I need to do this and then I've got a job. You know, I've got kids. I mean, you know, Johnny signed up for six sports and so, you know, I was always at the ball field. So, well, okay, there's no condemnation in any of that, but you want to know why some people mature and some people bear more fruit than others. Some people are looking and they keep looking. Well, that sounds like discipline. Well, it kind of sounds like the word disciple, doesn't it? I mean, what are you, a church member or are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because I can't find church membership in the Bible, but I can absolutely find what disciples of Jesus Christ are like. And they're disciplined followers who love not the things of this world. For whoever loves the things of the world, the love of the Father isn't even in them. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> Who's beholding His glory every day? Who's accessing the mind of Christ on a daily basis? Because you are what you eat. And you become like who you behold. And so that's why we're admonished in 2 Corinthians 3, and we're getting ready to look at it. We're admonished to behold, and literally the word translated means this, to be held by. So if I'm held by His glory, I'm still looking at it. It's not a one-time beholding. Yeah, I, I beheld uh, the Lord on a Sunday one time in 1974. Well, you, you might want to behold again. Amen? Look at this, 2 Corinthians 3.11. Time for some good news. For if what is passing away, the, the Old Testament and all that was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Notice the emphasis on glory, 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 spirit of glory. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face. Unlike Moses, we use 
Boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, we don't veil our face to everybody. Well, you don't understand. I want to blend in at work, you know, so they tell the dirty jokes and I just don't say anything. Stop veiling the glory of the Lord. And we can all throw stones at Moses, but we do this all the time. And we live in a culture where, you know, Christendom is like offensive. They don't want us saying anything. But we're not going to back up. Now, I'm not talking about being rude. We need to, I will say this, we need to walk in love, amen, and speak the truth in love. I have a good friend, he liked something I put on Facebook the other day that said, when we're kind and we're compassionate, we're caring to people around us, it allows people to encounter uh, people who may not be looking for God to have an encounter with the God who's looking for them. He said, I'm so glad you said that. Because it's, he said it's like the church and, and Christians that he knows. He's up in the Tulsa, no, in Stillwater area. He said it's like they've lost their first love. They don't know what it is to love the lost anymore. And I said, yeah, m- most of them are offended. The body of Christ is offended. And people's sin and them shoving stuff down our throat has offended us. But I like what Derek Metter says. We're just dead men walking. How can I be offended if I'm dead? The only life I have is in Christ. And so then they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Christ. Yeah. So touch your neighbor and say, don't veil the glory. Everybody understand the glory of God is in you, right? You do get that. Colossians 1.27 says it's the whole mystery of the gospel. It's not that oh, Jesus died and rose again. He lived, he died, he was resurrected. That's the gospel. No, the fourth part is now he lives in you. That's the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The only reason he died for you is so he could live inside you. He had to clean the original temple. The original dwelling place of God, right? Had to be cleansed so he could move back inside by the Spirit. I mean, look, I don't know, Lord, uh, just lead me. If you look at the Old Testament, the, the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle and the temple and all that, temporary housing. It's temporary housing until the plan could be fulfilled. That God Himself, yeah, a new wineskin was needed, could come back and live inside. But we even have it better than Adam and Eve had it. Because when they disobeyed, they lost the glory. You don't lose it. Yeah. You don't lose it. Christ doesn't leap out of your body because you did a big piece of stupid. The beauty is from within, He coaches you. He teaches you. Right? You got this Holy Spirit called Helper. And He says, Now, Wyatt, I love you. You're my son. But that's not how we act at school or whatever it may be. Wives probably never committed a sin. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I, I, that's a compliment. You're a good-hearted boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's a great point. He said, well, if I had never sinned, Jesus died for nothing. So he sees it. He gets it. Amen. So, but the Holy Spirit says, "Why? That's, that's not who you are. And so the glory doesn't depart. The glory coaches. We have it better than Adam and Eve had. And so the whole reason that he was taking up temporary housing in the Old Testament was waiting for Jesus 
to pay the price for the remission of sin, cleanse the temple so that the mystery of the gospel could be fulfilled. And that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right. So let's keep going. Verse 13, unlike Moses put a veil on his face so the children of Israel couldn't look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Now, whether he was embarrassed because it was passing away or he didn't want him to know it was fading, you know, I've heard that. But I've also uh, heard the one that, that they asked him, like, please, you know, veil the face, man. It's too much. And we do that same thing. We won't, we won't say anything. We won't bring forth the gospel in a, in a moment that we know it's needed to somebody who we know needs it because we're just self-conscious, I guess. And we veil it. What is the veil? It's the flesh. It's the flesh. Verse 14, But their minds were blinded. Until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Woo! Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their uh, heart. But nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, look what happens. The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with what? With unveiled face. We do not veil the glory like Moses did. We do not. Behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Wow. Isn't that powerful? So the end result of our beholding and our development with the Spirit of glory is sonship. Mature sons. It's not, the end result is not a 501c3. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a TV preacher now. The end result is mature sonship. You look like the one true son. So when we're out and about revealing God's glory, we can be tempted and pressured to cover it. And the flesh is opposed to the Spirit. Right? Romans 8. It will not subject itself to the Spirit of God. It cannot, is what Paul wrote. So we don't veil our, our face. We do not hide what God's done in us. But we share it. And we purpose to deliver Christ everywhere we go. We want to deliver Christ, right? Everywhere we go. And I like the simplicity. I've said it a couple of times. Care, prayer, and share. Just genuinely care about somebody. I was at Walmart the other day and there's this woman. She couldn't reach the water on the top shelf. I said, would you like me to do that for you? Oh, yes, please. So I did. I'm, I'm just asking the Lord. Lord, what do you want to do? Is there something? You know, show me your love for this person. Is she open? Nothing ever unfolded, but I'm just always in that posture now. How can I demonstrate that I care about somebody and then offer, may I pray for you? And then lastly, share, man, share what the Lord has done. You're a expert on what God's done in your own heart. So care, prayer, and share. Um, we don't, we, we get pressured times. Let's don't, let's don't declare the gospel so we don't offend somebody. Man, you know, Jesus is somewhat of a rock of offense to the demonic and I'm not saying everybody that rejects what you're saying about Christ is demon-possessed, but I'm telling you the demons don't want to hear it. And people can be oppressed. They can be under the influence of uh, the demonic realm or the flesh, certainly, under the influence of the flesh because the flesh is full of pride and doesn't want to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. But, hey, it's okay 
again, uh, they're not rejecting us. We're already dead. We're, we're the soap opera. One life to live. We've got one life to live. This is it. That life is Christ. Amen. Amen. So, when you're in the Uber, right, Will? Don't veil the glory. When you're at school, don't veil the glory. When you're at your job, don't veil the glory. Or if you're in Walmart, don't veil your glory. When you go eat today, don't veil the glory. Uh, Patty and them are in Branson. Don't veil the glory. Isn't it? It's a, it's a wonderful gospel. I mean, he's in you everywhere you go. Remember when we were singing that song, uh, heaven is, is coming, um, miracles happen when you move and all that. Heaven is coming, heaven is coming. All I could think about is you, everywhere you go, heaven is coming. <laughs> yeah, to a lost world. You represent not only the king of heaven. Yes, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ, but you represent the entire kingdom of heaven, the nation of heaven. And so if we sent an uh, ambassador from the U.S. over to Africa, who does he represent? Just the president or the whole country? He represents the whole country. Do you realize whose you are? Do you realize who you're stamped with? What your little passport says? What your identity says? Who you belong to and who you represent? You represent the entire nation of the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. And that's why I don't preach about escaping. I don't preach a lot, hardly ever, about the second coming. I believe in the second coming. I know he's coming. But you know what? I don't want anybody to perish. And so I don't want people to have an escapist mentality when we're full of the glory of God. So we say all the time, don't, don't look around and say, look what the world is coming to. Sit around and say, look who's coming to the world. The Holy Ghost is here. Christ is here. He's in us. The Word is here. The kingdom is here. We represent the entire nation of the kingdom of heaven. Why do we want to leave? It's like, it's like you got the, the antidote for everyone's disease. And everybody who has the, the serum wants to escape. It's selfish. Amen. Am I preaching good? (laughs) So people who mature and bear much fruit, they look and they keep looking and they prioritize the glory of the Lord in their life. They prioritize the spirit of glory. People will behold the glory of the Lord at church, for example, but they don't know how to leave the church beholding the glory. Still beholding the glory each and every day on a daily basis. So my question is, the world wants to distract you. How how is it doing? Don't raise your hand or shout anything. (laughs) But really, ask yourself, how distracted am I? If the glory of God is transformational, because we say we want to be like Jesus. I've been at this church for 25 years (laughs) since we started in a house. We all want to be like Jesus. We love Him. If you've seen Him, oh man, right? Your heart is like, He's the truth. I want to be like Him. If you want to be like Him, be with Him. You are what you eat. John 6. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Let me be your source. John 15. I'm the vine. You're the branches. What are you feeding on? When they're trying to cast out demons, He said, this kind only comes out... Uh, through prayer and fasting. This kind of what? Demon? No, this kind of unbelief. Amen. 
that he's talking about with his disciples only comes out if it will change what you're feeding on. So feed on Christ. You want to be like Jesus? Be with Jesus. Behold the glory and keep beholding the glory. Keep looking. Remember when they lifted up the serpent on the pole? Look and live. Look and live, man. Where are your eyes? What are you looking at? The eye is the lamp of the body. If If your eyes full of... Full of light, your whole body will be full of light. So behold the glory. Well, what are you, what are you saying? I'm saying be disciplined. <laughs> Have some discipline. And let what we say about how much we love Him, let it be seen in our actions, in our schedule. That we prioritize the, the glory of the Lord. Yeah, don't talk about it, be about it. Remember when I was in Colorado, he said that the, the, the kingdom of glory and action had to replace the kingdom of talk. And he said, my people talk a lot. <laughs> they talk a good game. But let's, let's let our schedule show it. Let's let our priorities show it because the glory is transformational. If you'll look at him, you'll be with him, and, and you'll, you'll spend time with him, you'll become like him, and that's what you really want. See, I'm not saying go out and go, go leave today and go look into the ether somewhere and find the glory. You want to know the glory? Look in the face of Jesus Christ. And you can see much of His face in the Scriptures. Now, not everything He is and did is recorded here according to Scripture, but you sure can look at Him and live. Look at Hebrews 1.3. Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of His person. Okay? Jesus Christ is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of His person. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to know what the glory of God is like? You want to spend time with the glory? Spend time looking at the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? You don't have to go out and just dream something up or conjure something. Get to know Jesus Christ by sitting in the Holy Spirit with the Spirit of glory in this book. Touch your neighbor and say, spend the time. Spend the time. Because the world loves to distract you. And I said earlier, how's the world doing distracting you? How's your mother-in-law doing distracting you? How's your job doing distracting you? How's the... (laughs) How's your children doing distracting you? How's your ball team doing distracting you? How's the stock market doing distracting you? I mean, are all those things just kicking your tail? Or, I mean, are they subdued under the authority of Jesus Christ and the priority of Jesus Christ? We live in America, okay? So I get it. I know that we have a lot of distractions. We do. A lot of cool toys and cool things. Boats and four-wheelers, bass fishing. <laughs> you can always know this about me. I'm in the boat with you. I, whatever, whatever the Holy Ghost is preaching to us, I guarantee you he's talking to me. <laughs> the Lord wants to make sure you understand that your distractions don't have to be bad or evil either. It can be your grandkids could be ball games. You're just blowing and going 90 miles an hour all the time. And you wonder, how come I'm not like Christ? Well, maybe you're not spending any time with Him. Maybe you're not beholding Him. 
The word behold in 2 Corinthians 3.18 means literally to be held by. That's not a momentary glance. Hey, Jesus, just here's looking at you, kid. I got to go. You know, that's... <laughs> be held by Him. Be held by His glory. As in a mirror. As in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. As I said earlier, when you behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ, we are changed. What happens to us? We become like Him. We become more kind and more loving and uh, certainly more humbled. And we start leading by what we supply and not by what we demand. Amen. We quit trying the the fallacy of repaying people evil for evil. What a... What a wild goose chase that is. And we start re- recognizing I can overcome evil with good. I don't have to repay reviling for reviling and insult for insult because I'm different. Yeah. What, what's different? Well, we're all, we're all filled with His glory, but some people just keep looking. We just keep looking. And so we're transformed more and more like Jesus Christ. I love that. And you know that it's true that our assignment here is that when people see us, that they would see Him. That is the assignment. This war is over. Who's going to be expressed? Lucifer and his nature of taking and self-centeredness and self-worship. Satanism is not the worship of Satan per se. It's, it's people who emulate Satan and worship themselves. And it's rampant in our country. The Antichrist spirit is not, oh, I'm anti-Jesus. There's some of that out there. But if you study the Greek word for that, it's just a counterfeit. It's a different type of Jesus, which is not Christ, but it's self-centered. It's not not the worship of Satan. It's the worship of self. And man, the Lord, we spent a month on offense. Remember that? Because we're like, I got rights, man. You can't treat me like that. Bless you. The deception of offense is that you think you have a right to hold unforgiveness against somebody. You have a right to manipulate them by withholding love. And we say to Jesus, well, you can love that guy through me, but you can't love that person through me. Well, then you're Lord of your own life. Yeah. So we're transformed. We start saying the things he says with the eye, the eyes, the lamp of the body. We, our eyes start reflecting him. And we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Here, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race set before us. How do we do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so what's the key? Look unto Jesus. Prioritizing him. And so yesterday at Prayer Shield, Ron Garman had a great word on the temple. He when we were worshiping and praying, Uh, Brother Ron saw the temple of the Old Testament. 
the, the tabernacle, three parts, outer court, uh, most holy place, holy of holies. And what the Lord started showing us is that the, most people serve the Lord through the outer court. Now, the outer court is you're not real close, you know, to God. The Holy of Holies is where His presence is, but you're kind of, you know, you're there. But everything you see is through natural light. Everything's carnal. Everything's natural. And he said, the Lord's wanting to move us from, from the outer court to the most holy place where the laver is, where the altar is. What's that? Repentance, washing, cleansing. Okay, we move from there and we go to the Holy of Holies. And that's where His presence is. That's where oneness takes place, where it's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. My life is not mine anymore. I'm one with Him. My, my whole body is given over now for Christ to say what He wants to say and do what He wants to do and love who He wants to love and serve who He wants to serve because He's Lord of my heart now. And I'm literally now in the Holy of Holies seated with Christ on that mercy seat, one with His presence looking back with Him to the most holy place in the outer court. Oneness happens behind the veil. Oneness happens. Conception happens. And then what happens after that? We start bearing much fruit. But in that outer court, we're just too natural. We're too carnal. We're driven by worldly things still. Everything we even see and know about God is through natural light instead of Holy Ghost light. And then we move to the middle. Repentance, cleansing, uh, the altar, the laver, and then oneness and intimacy and what we call gnosko, where you experientially know Christ, like Adam knew Eve and they bore children. It's a a oneness term. And the veil is the flesh that doesn't allow us to see His glory. And we let those things get in there that block our line of sight. And here's what the Spirit of the Lord said. As He invites us into intimacy... And the reality of the oneness. Because if you're born again, He's already in you, okay? You've got the presence of God in you. Now participate with Him. Be married to Him. He's already changed your name. Gave you His name. His authority. His bank account. But when we're veiled, we can't see it. It's not the reality we live in. We live in this other reality over here. Like, hey, I got this life to live and I got rights and don't talk to me like that. Instead of living the real reality of the truth. There's only one truth. And that's the real reality. And if it's true that knowing the truth sets a man free, then believing a lie is what sets us into bondage. And here's what the Lord said. Tell my people to quit judging themselves unworthy of moving into intimacy with me. Because there was only one person that could have got you intimate with the Lord that could have paid the price and it was him I ask you you know that veil that's six inches thick that was when Jesus was crucified was rent from top to bottom that wasn't like a curtain a cotton sheet it's like six inches thick thick that thing tore in two from top to bottom who did that God did it So who made a way for you to come behind the veil? My guess is he wants you there then.
So the word of the Lord is, stop judging yourself unworthy of coming behind the veil. Come on. Come on. And you know, religion says, well, if I'll do this and this, and then I don't do this, and I don't touch this, and I don't ever say this, then I'll be good enough to come in. That's nothing but self-righteousness. Run away from that as far as the east is from the west. Self-based righteousness. Hebrews 6 says that it's time to to move on from elementary teachings like repentance from dead works. Dead works is this idea that somehow you and I can do enough or not do something wrong that gets us behind the veil. Only one could have got you behind the veil and he did it. You're in. Stop with the foolishness of dead works. You were never going to get yourself there. Never. So simply believe and receive what's been offered to you and go with Him behind the veil. You are worthy to come on in is what the Lord wanted me to tell you. You are worthy and I'm going to prove it to you. In Hebrews chapter 9, if you have your Bible, you can turn there and then we'll wrap it up this morning. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 I don't have it on a slide because the Lord gave it to me yesterday. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. And He came with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands. Jesus went to a tabernacle, not of this creation. This is Hebrews 9.11, right out of the Bible. Verse 12, He entered not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained for us an eternal redemption. My goodness. Every priest prior to Jesus Christ entered that temple and that tabernacle with blood of an animal. He was the first priest to offer his own blood on your behalf. Now I'm telling you that the Lamb of God is far more, far more spiritual, far more righteous, far more holy than a goat or a calf. I'm telling you, you listen to me. He spilled his own blood as a priest. He did not offer somebody else's blood. Why? Because from before the foundations of the world, he was the lamb to be slain. Only God would get mankind good enough to fellowship with God himself. So stop with the foolishness and all the dead works and all the self-based righteousness and accept what he's done for you. With good pleasure, accept it. I know you're not worthy. I'm not worthy either. But I'm telling you, He chose us in His love. He chose us in His love from before the foundations of the world that we would be holy and without blame before Him in His love. That's Ephesians chapter 1, I believe. I'm going to read it again. Verse 12, Hebrews 9, right out of the Bible. This is not my opinion. He came not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place and not the one he described to Moses to build uh, in likeness of the actual in heaven. He entered into the real one in heaven. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all. Everybody say once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. Have you noticed every time you do something dumb, he doesn't come down here and die for you again. It is finished. Verse 13, If the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean worshiper sanctifies for the purifying of their flesh, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through His eternal Spirit offered Himself 
without spot to God. My, how much must He love you? He offered Himself without blemish unto God. How much more through His eternal Spirit, uh, offering Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You should be absolutely set free from any idea that you could ever work your way back into God's presence. You got there one way and you stay there because you have something Adam and Eve didn't have. The glory doesn't depart you when you fail. Now I'm going to skip on down here to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 23. Therefore it was necessary... That the copies of the things in the heaven should be purified with these, but, uh, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than the ones on the earth. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with human hands, which are mere copies of the true, but He entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Can you see his love? Can you see what he did? He is your lawyer. He's your advocate. He's your priest. He's the one that got you behind the veil. Once you're behind the veil, your your face is unveiled. Behold his glory. Look at him. Look at how he is. Everything you see in him is who you're created to be. All the love you see, he wants to manifest that love in you. All the joy and security you have, he wants to manifest that in you. Verse 24. Or sorry, 25. Not that he should enter offer, uh, should offer himself often as the high priest would enter the most holy place every year with blood of an animal. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, Christ has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Who tore the veil? God did. Who wants you behind the veil? He does. Will you stand with me? Woo! Holy Ghost. Can you feel His presence? Me too. I am cut to the quick. Come on, let's just bow our heads, open our hearts, open our hands in His presence. Lord, I repent of dead works. I repent of self-based righteousness. I repent of not seeing and believing what you have actually done. You are moving us as mature sons and daughters behind the veil. No longer in the outer court. No longer just hanging out in natural things. But Lord, even past the laver and the altar... Lord, cleansed by the very blood of Christ Himself, we enter into the Holy of Holies and we ourselves now become a walking Ark of the Covenant. We enter in. We enter in. Father, I break off this morning every spirit of shame and guilt and condemnation that has lied to Your people and kept us from our destiny. Not only our destiny, but Lord, the good pleasure of your own will. Break off every shackle in Jesus' name. I break off the spirit that says, well, I've judged myself unworthy. 
I want you to know in your heart today, you're the reason why He came. He knew you were unworthy. He knew we'd never get in and reconcile to God without His blood and His intervention. He knew it. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I've never even been born again. I've never received the life of Christ into my heart. I don't know Him. But I want to know Him. And I want to receive His life inside of me, that resurrection life by the power of the Holy Spirit that births a human being out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His marvelous light. I want to receive Jesus the Christ into my heart. And I want Him to be not just my Savior. I want Him to be Lord. I want Him to be President of my life. And I'm going to fully yield myself to Him. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, pray for me. I want to be born again. I need the life of Christ on the inside of me. I'm just a dead person walking around. I need life. Anybody? Hallelujah. Gather church, lift your hands with me. I want you to say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, your sheep hear your voice and you give us eternal life, which is to know you. Today I turn from pointless dead works to serve you, the living God. I thank you, Father, that I have entered in to the reality of life behind the veil. You did it for me. I could have never done it, but I do receive it. And it humbles me and it causes me to yield myself, my mouth, my mind, my hands, my feet, and this body, wholly and completely to you. I love you, Father. You and me, all day, every day, from this day forward, I'm going to behold your glory, and I'm going to keep looking. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Woo! Amen! Awesome.